Wendy. We're excited. Thank you. So am I. I'm nervous, though. Put me in front of 3,000 people and I'm fine, but put me in front of my church family. It's a whole new thing. It carries such responsibility with it. Well, good morning, church. On your seat, you will find a little rubber band. So try not to flick each other with it. But as we go through the message, I'll talk a little bit more about it. So I'm going to catch my breath and we're going to get started. In the closing chapter of Max Licato's book, Grace, he summarises grace as this. This is a gift that God gives. The gift is the giver. To discover grace is to, to discover God's utter devotion to you. His stubborn resolve to give you a cleansing, healing, purging love that lifts the wounded back to their feet. He does not stand on a hill and bid you to climb up out of the valley. No way. He bungees down and he carries you out. Does he build a bridge and command you to cross it? Mm-mm-mm. No, he crosses the bridge and he shoulders you over. You did not save yourself. It was a gift from God and Jesus is the gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are in the midst of our presence. How do we know that? Because your word tells us. So we say now, Lord Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, come, breathe across this auditorium, invade this environment with your presence. Cover this word. Let it be like a two-edged sword into the hearts of people today that need to hear. Use me as your vessel, Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. So I'm going to talk to you about two things. I'm going to talk to you about facts versus faith. And I'm going to talk to you about the law of the rubber band. A rubber band is just a rubber band. It does absolutely nothing unless you stretch it out with an action. And it becomes incredibly useful once we stretch it out. But when you let it go, it falls back into those old habits. Facts or faith, what will you choose? Well, let's start with the dictionary definition. The definition of facts is an actual or alleged event or circumstance. The definition of faith is confidence or trust in someone, dependence, hope, Reliance and expectation. And are you ready? In the dictionary says, belief in God. How about that? Well, let's look at the beginning of faith. Let's look back for a moment to the beginning. The day we stepped out in faith and accepted Jesus as the Lord of our lives. Accepting in that moment that God existed. That he sent his son for the forgiveness of our sins. In that moment we say yes. God breaks through in that moment in the, power, in the salvation power of Jesus. That's our first step of faith. And that's that God exists. Hebrews 11, 6 to 12 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Well, in that moment, we acknowledge that God exists. This is the baton exchange of our lives for Jesus. This is where transformation begins. We acknowledge our lives, sorry, we acknowledge that our lives need the change that can only come from Jesus. Furthermore, in that moment, we want them to change. 
Well, I made my decision back in 1987 when I was 34. Can you remember when you made yours? Or perhaps you may not have made that decision yet. And today could be the start of a whole new life for you. Well, God spoke to me that night by using a stranger. This lady prayed for me and she told me that God knew the guilt I carried over my father's death. God got my attention that day, showing me that he knew who I was and that he, God, knew the circumstances of my father's death. In that moment, God spoke and provoked a faith in me that he not only existed, but he knew the very details of my life. In that moment, I was touched by God, but I was not changed. Excuse me. I've spoken too many times this week. I'm sure there are many that are the same. We are touched by the presence of God, but not actually changed. For change to happen, there needs to be an outworking of God in our lives, a step of faith. So what's faith? I love acronyms. So faith for me is future answers in the hope. If you spell faith out, future answers in the hope. We live in a world that wants instant transformation. We've heard it all said before, we are a microwave society, wanting instant fixes, often without the journey of change. Change is something we so often can become anxious about. And at the thought of changing the familiar for the unfamiliar, and this can fill us with fear. And we've just sung about that. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Even if our lives and the circumstances we find ourselves in are not good, we know them and we're very familiar with them. And to move out of those requires faith. Remember, future answers in the hope, in the hope that it will be better. Well, next morning after my decision to believe, the facts came flooding in. My circumstances were the same. The fact was I woke up in the very same bed same out-of-control life, same then unsaved husband and family. I knew something had happened, God, it touched me. But really, what did it all mean now? How could accepting Jesus change where I was at? This is where our second step of faith comes in. Trusting that God is working in us. In Isaiah 43:19, it says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I made a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Chain, change takes an action. Remember I said we have to stretch. It takes an action on our part. And we face this every day, just not the morning after we say yes to Jesus. It requires an action every day. Matthew 19, 16 to 17 says... No one sews a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will become ruined. No, they pour new wine into new skins, and both are preserved. Have you ever wondered what that means? I know I did. It is simply not possible to grow into the new if we stay in partnership with the old. That's what it means. We get caught up in the past, in the history, 
And I love this analogy. When we're looking at our past and get caught up in the history, we've got our head turned backwards, away from the microphone like that, our head turned backwards, and we can't see where we're going forward. We become a historian, or we stay as a journalist in a journalist role, uh, reporting, I lost my words then, reporting on how bad life was or how bad life is. But we're meant to be a futurist, looking ahead to God, where God is at, what he has for us. So to walk into the new, it requires us to keep our eyes forward, looking up to Jesus, looking out and looking ahead for what God has. See, faith is trusting God for the new, even when we have no reason to believe it. That's that step of faith. For me, as I'm sure it is for many, the question is, how do you have faith in someone you don't even know? That would be like me introducing myself to a total stranger and saying, hello, my name is Wendy. You don't know me, but I'm asking you today to trust me and have faith in me. I will tell you what you want, sorry, I will tell you what to do, where to go, and I'll lead you if you listen to me. I would say the response could be fat chance, really. (laughs) See, trust comes out of getting to know someone and seeing their character who they really are, that's when you begin to build faith and trust. Then you allow them to influence your life. Well, it's the same with God, getting to know him and his father's heart, understanding that he is a relational God. See, he wants our hearts. He always has and he always will. He yearns to know his children as a father or mother yearns to develop a relationship with a newborn child to interact with us and to reveal his character to us. John 15, 7 says it, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. Well, as I started my journey with God, it was a very, very, very slow process. To abide in God, I had no idea what this would look like. I had no life group and I was in a little church with no support. I didn't even know how to read the Bible. So how would I start? Well, it took me lots of little steps, forward and backwards over a period of 22 years before I really truly understood that Jesus actually wanted a relationship with me. See, it's a journey, a daily choice to step out without caution in faith or stay in the facts, the circumstances of our life. Or... In other words, cling to the old habits and behaviours that we may not like, but we're very, very comfortable with. Sometimes our journeys of growth are very painful, and as we stretch and grow, just like the law of the rubber band. And as we allow God to transform us by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12.2 tells us very clearly, Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Well, waiting on God takes practice and patience. And this was not an immediate experience for me. It may be for some, but it certainly wasn't for me. I was still in control of my life. Let's look at the story of Abraham. It's a great example Remember Abraham, whose name was Abram, before God changed it. Abraham's journey teaches us about the faithfulness of God. 
Out of all of the descendants of Noah, God chose Abraham to have a special relationship with him. One that would not only change the course of his life, but, will, but one that was destined to rescue the world from sin and destruction. We can learn so much from Abraham. Let me give you a quick abridged story. God calls Abraham to go and leave his country, leave everything that he knows, and God says, don't worry, I will guide you. Is that not what God says to us? God tells Abraham that out of his descendants, he will make a great nation. For this to happen, Abraham must, leave, must do something daring. He must leave everything he knows and put his trust in God, just like us. We must leave that old nature, that old wineskin, old habits for the transformation into the new. This is such a big step of faith and trust. But Abraham went without hesitation. He left his family and his country. He lived through famine. He feared Pharaoh and lied to him. He experienced family conflict. He and Lot were separated. And he still had no son. Even though God said in Genesis 12 verse 7, I'm going to give you this land to your future generations. Well, after 10 years and many trials... Abraham wanted to know whether the deal was still on or not. Have we ever been like that with God and wanted to know whether the deal was still on or not? Abraham was facing the facts. He talked to God about them. And he, in Genesis 15, 1 to 5, it tells us how. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Ezra of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household shall be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look up to the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and, he, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So he's got this promise, right? But even though he has this promise, despite all of God's assurance, Abraham still did not know what God was up to. He still did not trust God. Fact was, here we are back in the facts. Sarah was childless. Abraham took his eyes off God for a moment, focusing on the circumstances, the facts as he saw them through his eyes. In those moments of doubt, when they come, it matters who you listen to. When those doubt moments come, it matters what voice you're listening to. See, Abraham listened to Sarah. Forgetting in that moment the promise of God, Sarah got tired of waiting. Why? because she felt she had a better idea and she took matters into her own hands. How often do we always think we have a better idea than God? I know I have. Sarah's answer was for Abraham to sleep with her maid, Hagar. Well, everything spun out of control and this only made matters worse. How often we do that, take matters into our own hands, get involved and come up with a better idea, complicating God's promises with our very own solutions. Well, confession time. 
I'm sure you all know one of these people, or just maybe you've been one of them yourself. I have to admit it, and Bill will agree, I was a control freak. I wanted to control everything, and I mean absolutely everything. But through the amazing grace of God, I am a recovering control freak today. Sometimes I do fall back into those old ways, but God's grace and patience with me are never-ending. Praise God. Perhaps I'm not the only one that has come up with a better suggestion for God, a faster fix, something I believe that I can control. See, we tend to want a predictable God, don't we? One that answers in our time, in our way. I know I did. But I have learned that God's answers are always the best. That true faith is not getting what you want, but staying faithful anyway. Trusting God's faithfulness. It took me 22 years of praying for my husband Bill's salvation until I let go of my control and let God. Funny that. We fail when we base our faith on ourselves and our control and not on God. Well, back to Abraham and Sarah for a moment. God kept his promise to Abraham and Sarah. God was faithful even in Sarah's mistake. God was patient with Abraham. With the birth of Hagar, the maid's son, Ishmael, God had a restorative answer. See, he always does. Why did God wait so long to fulfill the promise to Abraham? It's not clear in the Bible. I believe it's because God wanted Abraham's total trust. And sometimes this can only come through times of testing. We are often test things for their strengths. I'm sure the engineers and the builders in here will tell me that that's true. They would not put down foundations or put up structures unless they were sure that the structure would withstand the environment. The wind, the rain and the storms have come. So why not test our faith? What happens when our faith is tested? I'm going to share one of my personal stories with you. Back in uh, 2009, I was in a role in a government, um, a, a quite a senior role in government, heading up the prosecution department for the state of Queensland. In this role, I oversaw and managed the major transport prosecutions for the state. It was a very ser serious senior position in government. I was driving to work one day and praying, which was my habit, that was actually my quiet time then. I heard what I thought was an audible voice. I must say, I was shocked. I thought, I heard this voice say to me, no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near you. You'll only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. In that moment, I had no idea what this was all about. I knew it was from Psalm 91, which is actually my favourite psalm. Really, I pushed it to the back of my mind. But the reason soon became very clear when I got to work. When I arrived, I was called into a meeting into the executive building in George Street, Brisbane, which I think they've bulldozed down now. I was told that there had been very serious allegations against me and that I was under investigation by the Crime and Misconduct Commission, which they were called then. I was told I would be removed from my workplace told that I would be not given the details of the investigation until they were ready. But I was told that one of the allegations was blackmail, that I had bribed a government official. Words cannot describe how I felt as I sat there in shock. 
But somehow, in the midst of these facts, in that incredible fear, in that moment, I remembered God wor- God's word. I'd been given that morning as I was praying on my way to work, the words of warning and words of reassurance, words that were familiar to me. See, God uses things that we're familiar with to speak to us. We don't know why things happen, but God is God. In Isaiah 58, sorry, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, it tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Big choice time for me. Focus on circumstances which were removal from my workplace, under serious investigation, possibly prosecution, even jail. My husband and family wanted revenge against the perpetrators and the department. Be consumed by these circumstances or find my faith in God. Right then and there in these moments and in these days and the many days to come, my faith was on display for everybody to see. People were watching me to see what I would do. See, faith is trusting God's character, even when the circumstances tell us differently. Side note here, I knew my integrity and I'd done nothing wrong. But in these sort of circumstances, investigations by the CMC, truth does not always play a big role. Faith is choosing God's perspective. It doesn't change the facts or the circumstances we're facing but it breaks the power of the perspective we are seeing. I want to say that again because that's so important. Faith is choosing God's perspective. It does not change the facts or the circumstances we are facing in that moment, but it breaks the power of the perspective we are seeing. See, when I got that word that morning, God spoke to me from the future and I had to keep reminding myself of that fact Time and time and time again. Can I tell you, I held on to that word with tight, such a tight grip. I wrote it on a little piece of paper and I wore it inside my shirt. And every day when I felt like I was losing my faith, I would put my hand and I would remind myself of that word that was over my heart. I held on to it. God already knew the outcome. God already had a restorative answer. I just had to walk into it but I had to choose it. See, God will always give us a choice and it can be painfully stretching and mine was. This really was a life and death battle situation, a true season where I battle for my life, a choice I had to make, pin my life on the facts, the label of my job that made me who I was because my label was more important to me than anything else, more important than my faith. My title was more important This was a battle moment, or so I thought. Through this, I reached out in faith in such a deep way that who I thought I was changed, and I became who I was in God. The destiny and path for my life changed significantly in that moment. And there's more about that in my book. This CMC investigation took nine months to the day to the outcome, seven months till I found out the allegations But I love God's sense of humour. By the time I got the allegations, I could laugh a laugh of faith because it was all nonsense. 
but he grew me in that time. I am so grateful for this time and the investigation. Until I went through this, my relationship with God was one of communicated, communicated knowledge only. Do you know what I mean? I knew God in my head, the God that was preached in church on Sunday, the God people told me about, who he was for others. I had read about him in the Bible and I knew him in the Psalms, but he was still a distant God for me. I had no understanding of his grace and of his love. I was touched by God, but I was not changed. But through this nine-month period, I had such a heart revelation of who God is for me, that true revelation of who Jesus is, pure grace for me and for you. In filling of the Holy Spirit that guided me and led me if I allowed him to. Not just somebody else's experience, my own personal relationship. I experienced true child of God relationship with my daddy God. How to partner with him for this next journey. It was not an easy journey with many, many growing pains, but one of the most worthwhile journeys of my life. And I love how Daniel tells us in uh, Daniel 10, verse 17 to 18. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. He said, peace, be strong now be strong. When he spoke, I was strengthened and said, speak my Lord, since you have given me strength. Just like Daniel was strengthened by God, so was I. See, God strengthens us for our journeys. I experienced his love, grace and daily provision of strength to be able to put one foot in front of the other and literally take one breath after the other. Our journeys have made up of millions of steps but amazingly, they all begin with one. For me, it was acknowledging that I needed God's answer, not just for this outcome, but for my life. Psalm 37, 39 to 40 says, The salvation of the righteous come from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Imagine that word, taking refuge in God. What does it mean? I searched for and focused on the character of God. He became my safe place, my refuge. How did I search? I read the Bible with a new vigour, allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal God to me, his timeless truth. This is where I learnt the power of journaling. I love journaling, writing out the word, how it's revealed to me, praying it out, speaking it out, applying it to my life, and guess what I discovered? I discovered the very character of God, God's wisdom. God makes no mistakes. He is the Father who truly knows best, as Paul explains in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decision and his ways. I found out that God is infinite, knowing no boundaries, he is without measure. God's sovereignty, he's absolutely free to do whatever he knows to, to be the best for us. God is in control of everything that happens. God's omnipresence, he's all-knowing. God knows everything. 
and his knowledge is infinite. It is impossible to hide anything from God. God's faithfulness, everything that God has promised will come to pass because his faithfulness guarantees that fact. He does not lie. These are our treasures in times of darkness. My life was safe in God's hands, the best place it could be. And guess what? So is yours. I experienced what it meant to trust God's heart even on the days where I could not trace his hand. This was just never about an investigation. There is always, I believe, something that brings such a pivotal change in our lives, a defining moment. And our caring, loving, heavenly Father used this as mine. See, God's miracles happen when we are faced with the impossible. Every miracle begins with our need and our response to that need. My miracle was my relationship with God. The outcome I believe God wanted for me was my daily walk with him. This experience created such an appetite in me to know my heavenly Father through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. See, when our foundations are tested, the choices we make in these moments and the actions we take can be life-changing. I'm not saying I have it right yet, but what I am saying is I'm much quicker to say sorry, to ask the Holy Spirit, what does this mean? God, what does this mean and how do I partner with you for your best in this outcome? I am far from perfect and God patiently works with me on this. There are times I have to fight through the battle when I'm not seeing my prayer answered as quick as I would like. And these times I remind myself of the faithfulness of God. Let's quickly look back again at the story of Abraham. How Abraham had to wait, knowing God's timing is always perfect. God fulfilled his promise. Isaac was born. And even though the facts would have said it was impossible, this is God. I was found totally innocent of over 300 allegations with a public apology. This is God. Can the musicians come up, please? There are many lessons we can learn from Abraham on facts and faith. So what is the timeless truth in this for us, for you and me today? What did it mean then? And what does it mean now? The truth is that we can trust God. Our task is to live in this truth. And our response is obedience to God's truth. And our action is the act of faith. Remember I said, without stretching, nothing changes. That's our act of faith. Well, God interrupted my life back in 1987, a life that was spiralling on a journey of destruction. When I, encountered, when I had my encounter with my Heavenly Father, I was touched by God through Jesus' forgiveness of sins. My journey began. I have allowed the content of my life to become the curriculum for my journey of growth in God. We can do that. We can allow the content of our life to become the curriculum for our journey of growth in God. There have been many lessons that I could have shared with you today. But this is one that took me from being touched by God into my journey of discovery of the goodness of God. See, it does not matter what the circumstances are that you face. Allegations are investigation. Unsaved family, unemployment, 
lack of finances, family members that are unwell, fear of change. You see, there is always more than one test and our God will always have a restorative answer. His answer, not ours. I remember after coming through the investigation, back in our old church, there was a, a, a visitor and I was so hungry for God, I went out for prayer at every opportunity. And this lady prayed for me and she said, I have a word for you. You have come through one test, but there are more to come. Hold on to God's faithfulness. I almost cried. I remember in the moment saying, surely not. I've been through one. Why do I have to have another test? But really what she was saying is this. Life happens. Hold on to your faith in God through Jesus. Be led by the Holy Spirit and grow. Don't look at the physical evidence, the facts and be swayed by them, but instead to look to the higher truth, God's truth, God's promises. Be responsible for my choices. Don't live in fear of the facts. Instead, choose to live in faith and be led by the Holy Spirit. As I close, let me leave you with this. Facts don't change. What changes is us. I could not go back to the person I was that day I walked into that office and I'm so grateful to God. See, after a growth spurt in God, we are never the same. They move us closer to who we're meant to be if we allow them because it's always a choice. Let me draw your attention to Luke 9 verses 23 to 27 in the message where Jesus was speaking to his disciples. It's the same message for us today. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Let me start again. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. See, help, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose it? Lose the real you. As Max Licardo continued in his summary of grace, he said, a grace that grants us first the power to receive love and the power to give it. A grace that changes us, shapes us and leads us to a life that is eternally altered. Do you know this grace? Do you trust this grace? If not, you can. All God wants is faith. Put your faith in God and grow in grace. See yourself for what you are. God's personal remodeling project. Not a world to yourself, but a work in his hands. No longer defined by failures, but refined by them. I stand before you today. Refined by God's grace. I work in his hands. This is my story. We all have a story. And each story matters. The good, the bad and the ugly parts of it all matter. And they grow us all. So where do you need to trust God today? I want to open up the front for prayer. <clears throat> See, God loves us too much to leave us where we are. 
If it hadn't been a CMC investigation, it would have been something else. God chases us down. He'll take us around the mountain and around the mountain. He'll give us every opportunity to choose what we need from God. So our elders, our leaders, and our life group leaders will be out the front waiting to pray for you. So what area in your life do you need to trust God in in a new way? Have you been like me and caught up in the facts of the circumstances you see, the things that you're facing, how you see them through your own eyes? Or what part of God's character do you need to trust God in a new way? I found his character as I found his word. Are you facing a change that you're struggling with? Have you been touched by God but not changed? Stepping out in faith, coming out for prayer is part of that defining moment. Maybe that's what you need to do today as you step out for prayer. Don't leave knowing that God's speaking to you about something. As I said, God loves us too much to leave us where we are. Thank you. I'm going to pray. I feel like I need to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit has breathed across this word, that this is your truth, that this word is your truth. Just like my, my life is your life, Lord God. We are all rebuilding, remoulding projects in your hands. So, Father God, I speak your blessing over everybody that's here today. Lord God, touch hearts, touch lives. Lord God, to bring the change that's required, to step in faith, to take that next step, Lord God. Continue to, continue to work your word in hearts and minds, Lord God. Minds that will draw to the heart knowledge of you, Lord God, that revelation, Holy Spirit revelation of who you are. Father, that they all know whose they are and who you are. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.